Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Grow With Soul. Today I am speaking with Tammy Thomas, the founder and coach behind Live360. Having worked as a social worker for 15 years, Tammy found herself stuck and trapped in her life and dove into a period of research into self-development and neuroscience in order to better make sense of herself. Finding the wellness world overwhelmingly millennial and Western orientated, Live360 was born as a conduit to help women in their late 30s and 40s escape the cult of busyness and cultivate their joy. This episode was a pretty mind-blowing one for me to record and we talk all about Tammy's research, the concept of everyday joy and how to find and seize it, feeling stuck and gaining momentum again, self-celebration and making life feel like a verb. There's so much in here so let's dive in. Hi Tammy! Hi, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I've been sort of, well, I guess I found out about you because you kept popping up in other people's stories with sort of your events and things like that. So I've been really kind of watching you from afar, if that doesn't sound too creepy. Um, No, it's it's the the internet way. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to kind of dig in with you today with lots of juicy topics but before we do that it'd be great if you can give us a nice bit of background of kind of your journey to where you've got now and and what you were doing before and and all about your business and how you've got to where you are now basically Okie dokie. So I have a wellness brand which is aimed at, but not solely for, women in their late 30s and 40s. And my background is social work. I was a children and families child protection social worker for over 15 years. And to be quite frank, that career, actually, let me take ownership, my approach and the way the system Um, the government approaches social work means that it's a career that is very depleting. Mm. It doesn't have to be, but it is. And I found that the combination of my very demanding career, which sometimes literally was as serious as life and death, the huge, intense joy and responsibility and at sometimes irritation of being a parent was also um, a factor in leading me towards starting this business and then also um, those combination of things and society and life in general I was in a period of time which was quite a long period of time when I actually sat down and thought about it whereby I was feeling really low I was feeling very very stuck anxiety became a familiar friend and that peaked at times with panic attacks I was ill practically six months of the year every year my immune system was really weakened and I just thought to myself it's okay 
when I turn 40, it's going to be brilliant. Mm. Life begins at 40. 40 is my magic number. I remember being 14, 15 in school, looking at cosmopolitan magazines and all those headlines about life beginning at 40 and mm. you can fit all and all those kind of things. So I really thought that it was going to be a huge turning point and it wasn't. And I had no choice. I was feeling really, really stuck. Like life felt like wading through treacle and I had no option but to slow down. I began to realize that productivity addiction, achieving more was not providing me with any satisfaction whatsoever. And I decided to take a deep dive into personal development and the world of spirituality. And I was reading lots of concepts that I found really helpful, but there didn't seem to be any clear path to how to adopt these theories and concepts into my daily life. And then one day something went, bing, social work is the art of taking complex academic concepts, psychology, psychiatry, some, some really quite academic cognitive sciences and looking at issues and distilling those sciences, those academia and the research into a plan that was smart, so specific, mm -hmm. measurable, realistic, all that, um, so that families would be able to make changes that could help them stay together, not be involved with social services. And I thought, ah, I'm going to use social work to distill what I am learning and apply it to myself. And as I did that, it was almost as if you know, in The Wizard of Oz, where everything is black and white, mm. and then she falls into a coma, and everything becomes vivid, bright colour. Mm. Life started to become really colourful. And in slowing down, I started to realise that there was so much in my life as it was, even with all of the things that were taxing, there was so much beauty and joy and contentment and all those soft, fuzzy feelings that make life feel like you're living right in front of my very nose. However, I was unable to see them because I was trapped in the cycle of busyness and productivity and proving my worth as a human being through the things that I was doing primarily for people. Mm. And I thought, there's something in this because the women around me, whether they were in my immediate circle or women that I connected with on social media, it was like a disco ball of women reflecting back to me a variation of what I was experiencing. So when I started to delve into wellness that is available for women primarily, that isn't following a clinical model of therapy, mm. there was lots of stuff out there. But all of the stuff was very millennial. It was very elitist. It was very much fitting in with a aspirational Western European aesthetic. Mm. And I thought to myself, actually, there are lots of things that women my age admire and sometimes are a bit jealous of millennials for but because of the way we've grown up with our childhoods being analog and our adulthoods being digital we can't quite get with some of the stuff that is more appropriate for millennials and neither should we because we're no longer in that season brands weren't talking to women my age everything was for people that were in their mid-30s and younger so I thought I'm going to do something about it. 
I'm going to leave the world of social work and I am going to use my social work skills to create something really nourishing that helps women get off autopilot, stop feeling stuck, embrace where they are and start living spiritual social work, if you will. And uh, my brand 360 was born. Oh, what a lovely story. (laughs) So I I think it's always important to clarify this for people. How long was that kind of thought process from even just when you were doing that initial exploratory reading for yourself through to perhaps leaving your job or setting up the business? How long was that kind of process? A damn long time. (laughs) So um, when I actually sat down and and, and journaled about how long I was feeling the way I was feeling, when my daughter turned two, that was a clear point where things started to really take a change. So in terms of feeling stuck and feeling low, I was in that position for the best part of seven years. And it was only my body was giving me clues left, right and centre. But because of the way we're conditioned in this society, I saw that as weakness. I kept telling myself I have to push through. And it's only when I started to experience panic attacks that I thought, no, this, there is something is very, very wrong here. So the, the period of being stuck was was eight years. Like for eight years, I would have a cold that would last from September to March and would peak with sinusitis, bronchitis, occasionally mild pneumonia, laryngitis, all those kind of mm. things were happening. And, and I've always dabbled in um, personal development and self-help sort of books since I was really young. But I started to really take note when I turned 38. That's when I really started to read these books. But I was still adopting a very masculine, patriarchal approach in reading these books, because I wasn't really paying attention to the how. I was looking at the result and trying to catapult myself to the result without giving myself the time to do the how. So I had the idea for the business when I was about I didn't quite know what it was, but I knew that I wanted to do something that was related to well-being and emotional fitness from about the age of 38. But I wasn't quite sure what that would be. A year later, I had a very clear sense of what that was. But I was riddled with self-doubt. I was thinking, how on earth can I do this? All, All of the inner criticisms were there. And I felt really, really stuck. And it is only when I, in 2017, I think it was, I had a one-off session of coaching with Nicola Ray Wickham, who has a brand called A Life More Inspired. And that one-off session, I didn't know why I wanted to book that session at the time. I didn't think I needed it. No, Mm -hmm. cognitively, I didn't think I needed it. But my heart was really leading me towards exploring something with Nicola. I really liked what she was about. And I really liked what I saw of her on social media. And when I'd met her a couple of times, and that one session with her enabled me to see two things. One, I need help. And there is no shame in seeking help. In fact, human beings, we're designed to give and receive help. That's why we live in communities, even though in recent times we have moved more towards individualism. And two, it is really important to surround yourself with people that don't necessarily have the same outlook, 
but have similar values and are on a similar journey. And that there was a difference in that between my friends and people that I could share this journey with because my friends weren't on that journey. They're not on my journey. My journey is my journey. And friends, family, partners cannot fulfill your every need. So yeah, I realized that I, I need help. So I had some more coaching with Nicola, which really helped me to birth my brand. And I consciously formed relationships with people that were on a similar journey that would get it in inverted commas without me having to explain what it was so those things were real turning points so it took but once I had that help it was warp speed Mm. so I had the coaching I joined Nicola's coaching group and from no whatever happened I started to take real action in November 2017 and the brand went live on the 1st of May 2018 And then loads has happened in the last year then. (laughs) Loads has happened in the last year. (laughs) But it's that whole thing. I talk a lot about alignment. And literally, because I was bold enough to let go of things, have faith in myself and employ practices that would enable me to lean into that faith, I was able to find what my calling is in this moment because I know that you know life is evolution and cyclical and it will change and since I embraced my calling and I'm constantly checking my judgment and my inner critic it's almost as if things are falling in my lap Mm. but that doesn't mean to say that there isn't still a lot of work and a lot of commitment required it's just that I can see my way a lot clearer now than I ever have before. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like there was a lot of like many years of just simmering going on on the back burner in your brain. And then the kind of the coaching was a catalyst to that, that just brought everything that you'd been processing for however many years it was right up to the fore. And then suddenly it was like a burst of clarity. And then, as you say, it does all start to fall into place once you've kind of got a conscious grip of it it can it's like oh oh and this and this and this and this and then it all just all starts slotting in as you say that doesn't mean that there's no work going on but um it just flows I think. absolutely yeah. absolutely that so since may of 2018 you've had done sort of your own events i know you've spoken at other people's events you've got your membership program and stuff on so where have you been kind of focusing the the business i always like to get this kind of scoop from um what people are finding has worked really well for them and how you've the kind of strategy you've used one of a better word to to grow the business well In the first instance, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I also know that when I have really fixed ideas about what I want to do and how I want to do it, I miss opportunities. So I decided to have my idea, but hold it loosely. So I created space for divine intervention, I guess. So as I was doing the work of the business, I was really mindful of my energy and which parts were really lighting me up, Mm. which parts I felt that I was able to operate in a natural zone of excellence. 
and follow those. So when I began, I had um, a clothing element, uh, the podcast and events. And what I realized very, very quickly is that my true strength and the areas in which I literally feel like I am a conduit for love, nourishment, everyday joy is in my people facing activity. So I let go of the clothing brand and I had no qualms in doing so, even though I was receiving emails with people asking me why I'm doing it, I shouldn't do it, it's really great, etc. So the I, I really allowed myself to follow my joy, really. And there was also work to be done in terms of confidence because I practiced as a social worker for 15 years, local authority, for two years as an independent practitioner. And um, I was good at my job. I was very good at my job. I was very confident in my ability and I knew exactly where I needed to go to get resources and things for the job. Whereas this was new, although there are lots of transferable skills from social work, because coaching is literally social work that people actually want. (laughs) So although there were lots of skills that were transferable, there is a difference between social work where you are taking people from minus to zero and coaching where you are holding space and creating an environment where you can support people to take themselves from zero to one. Mm. So being new, it was like literally having new girl syndrome. So I was really a bit like, oh gosh, who am I to be doing this? What right do I have, etc. So I did a life coaching diploma, which really crystallized for me that coaching literally is mm. social work for people that actually want it. But I gave myself the benefit of being a beginner so that I could really allow what I knew already to filter down to a deeper level so that I wasn't trying to fix people, which is pretty much what social work is, so that I was actually holding space for people. And that really helped me to follow this path. So at the moment, the focus of my business is about developing and growing my membership because that is such a beautiful, nurturing, nourishing space. And the feedback I get from it tells me that this is something that is not a luxury. It is a, necess- it is a necessity for many women. And I will be launching my first group coaching program later on in October, because what I realize is through all of the activity I do across social media, the common thread is women requiring nourishment that enables them to start to nourish themselves and have the confidence to take the action they deny themselves from because they think it will mean that they're not being responsible, they're letting people down, they're not doing what they should. Mm. I really love that you started with assessing your where your energy was leading you to because I think we can very often be like, oh no, well, I can't get rid of that because that's just something I have to do. We don't even question why we have to, in inverted commas, do it. And I think that's a really important thing. And also talking about the upskilling question because it's something that I always feel a little bit kind of on the fence about because I think as women, we can very often 
just chase the qualification and I need this, I need that, I need this. Like, I can't possibly start anything until I've got this degree. But it sounds like your approach was a very refreshing one in that it was very much not to prove yourself to the world, but to prove yourself to yourself. And that to, to give yourself that space to be a beginner and go and explore it and rather than kind of pin your value on it, but just to use it to allow yourself to go off and do the work that you want to do in the world. Absolutely. If I can. So one of the exercises, one of the first exercises we did in my membership group was about establishing your values because your values are what give your life meaning, not the things you think you should be doing. And when I did the exercise on myself, I was really surprised, not because I'm not a person of integrity. I thought that there were other things that were going to be my ultimate number one. But my ultimate number one thing is integrity. As long as I know for me, I am acting from a place of integrity. I can literally, you know, that whole thing about the world being your oyster. The world is literally my oyster as long as I'm operating from my own integrity. And that took time and that took confidence because we are taught that our own integrity and my integrity is really linked very closely to my intuition. We are taught that those things aren't valuable. We are taught that we need to have evidence for absolutely everything. And we don't always need to have evidence. There are many things that just are. However, because of the conditioning and because I knew that I had to allow myself to be a beginner, I used, I love the world of positive psychology. I used a positive psychology based tool of disputing my self-doubt and my criticism with tangible evidence. And once I could see that tangible evidence, that really anchored me into myself and enabled me to then progress to really believing my intuition and having faith in myself and leading from a position of my own integrity. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I um, yeah, just so with you, because I think I, I quite often say that to people is that when they are struggling with that confidence thing, so you'd have to build up a bank of the evidence to prove it to yourself, to that, that conscious brain, so that then you can connect to that subconscious intuitive part of yourself. But at the, it's just got like a kind of guard against it, which is like needs the password and you have to build up the password in order Absolutely. to access that lower stuff. Absolutely. Because there comes a point where your inner critic is saying all of this stuff oh you're so high maintenance you need to do all of this stuff blah 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 and with the evidence I'm able to say so what so what if I need to make sure that my morning looks in a particular way in order for me to live the day that I want to live so what and when I'm able to say so what because I have developed as you call it that evidence bank the inner critic it's almost like that day that you stand up to a bully and say what are you going to do about it and they don't know what to do with themselves mm. it is literally like that but please believe that because of the conditioning because I'm I'm dealing with or facing or containing things that have been a part of my existence for let's say 35 years I give myself the space to check myself moment by moment as it comes up and use what comes up as information to support me the next time round rather than beat myself up mm -hmm. about it. Um, because it's not a sif. I cannot sit down here and say to you, because I've done this work, it's all rosy. Mm -hmm. Today, I could have cried 
because last week was such a full week full of beautiful stuff, events, learning, putting things out into the world. But all of that is still an investment of energy. And because I was so excited about what I was doing and it was really hitting lots of my vitality spots, I wasn't mindfully thinking about replenishing my cup. I thought doing the things that I normally do was enough, but actually I was doing more than I normally do. Therefore, I needed to take care more than I normally do. And I was running on adrenaline. Adrenaline lasts in your body for about 48 hours. What I didn't realize when I was starting to feel low is that it wasn't because I wasn't doing enough or because I'm a crappy person, but it's because I used up a lot of energy last week. I wasn't doing anything to support myself really, even though I was doing really great stuff out there in the world. So today I started to crash. Mm. I talked to one of my friends who really gets it. And just that act of talking was a release. And then I remembered actually, this makes sense. This is what's supposed to happen because of the way I was using my energy last week. Mm. So I have given myself permission to crash today. And just as I gave myself permission, a little fizzy feeling emerged that reminded me I'm a human being and I'm allowed not to be firing on all cylinders each day. And rather than, oh, you didn't take care of yourself last week. You talk about mm. self-care all the time. You're not <laughs> living up to your... It was like, no, actually, I'm a human being. This is the thing that human beings do. I can course correct. And I've had a green smoothie this morning. I went for a walk before meeting with you to have this conversation. And I know that I can redress, mm. not redress the balance because I don't believe in balance, but I, I can take myself back to flow. I was ebbing last week and now I need to bring myself back to flow. Mm. Love that. And and I think there's, there's a kind of empowerment in that, isn't there? That it's within your grasp and your choices, choices that you can, you have made and can make from now are what define you in, in that kind of scenario. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd love to get into, because you've mentioned everyday joy um, and that's obviously very much at the core of your work. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that because I think me definitely do this and I think other people do it where it's kind of like a pot of gold at the end of the road and you you can have joy when you've ticked all the boxes off. So I'd love to hear kind of your approach to this everyday joy and what it means to you and, and your approach with finding and kind of seizing that. Yeah. So everyday joy for me, I, I found a quote because um, quite often when I when I hang on to words, I get word obsessions. And when I hang on to words, I look up um, in the dictionary to see the dictionary definition of the meaning of the word. And I wasn't really the, the description of joy in the dictionary was very much linked to happiness. And I think happiness is something different. I think happiness happens and joy is something else. So I found this quote on, it's actually a like a Christian version of uh, Wikipedia. Mm. And it says, joy is a state of mind and orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence and hope. And that for me sums up what I am preaching in my school of everyday joy. So everyday joy for me is a really stable, grounding baseline 
that enables you to live your life in a state of contentment, confidence, and hope. And it's not an airy fairy, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so joyful. When this joy really, really comes to life, where this joy really, really can envelope you and support you is in moments of challenge and difficulty. Because when you view the world, when you view life through the lens of a settled state of contentment, confidence and hope, it provides you with the grit and grace required to go through the challenges of life and also really appreciate the beauty of life. So everyday joy for me is not something that is external, it is internal. And we do need to find it because it is often buried below layers of armor, of conditioning, of all the things that tell us we need to do all of these things outside ourselves to feel content. And that's not really contentment. That's all about achievement. Mm. So I firmly believe that life becomes a well-rounded, wholehearted human experience when we weave joy throughout our lives. So everyday joy, one of my most game-changing, beautiful, everyday joy experiences that I can share in a really tangible way is to have a mindful shower. We shower, most of us shower every day, some of us every other day, but going into the shower or bath and taking time to focus on what you are doing in that moment, taking some deep breaths, and as you lather up and, and wash your body, literally taking time to connect with your body, how your skin feels, how it feels to be touched. Take a moment to thank your body for constantly working to support you, whether you feel like it or not, your body is constantly supporting you. Taking deep breaths whilst you do it. And if any mind chatter, oh gosh, I forgot to email this person, I've got to do the Ocado delivery, whatever the case may be, as that comes, allow it to go back to whence it came and focus on that experience. It gives you an opportunity to connect your mind and body. We often walk around like our heads are separate to our bodies, but actually it's all interconnected. And for me, having mindful showers has really helped me to connect with how my body feels so I am now able to recognize what my body's telling me and rather than shut that down, support it in any way I can. And sometimes the simple act of acknowledging my body whilst I wash it brings me all kinds of joy. And that's something that doesn't cost okay then cost your gas bill and water, whatever. <laughs> but that is something that we don't have to go out and purchase or invest in or join or take part in. Um, so it's things like that. It's things like slowing down and not always be focused on the next, appreciating this moment and taking stock of what's around you. Like I was watching um, Strange Rock on Netflix. I almost binged the entire series. And when you think about the fact, or, you know, I got some information from there, and I was like, whoa, we live 
on this beautiful blue planet that is full of light and color and all these different textures and whatever else that is suspended in a big black cosmos. It is protected by, in comparison to how big and how dense the world is, a really thin layer that protect, protects us from the sun's rays, from cosmic storms, yet all we see for the majority of the time is blue or perhaps grey with clouds when we look up. Mm. That is so magical. <laughs> if you take time to look up, you don't have to build that into your schedule. If you're walking somewhere in the streets, you can look up and look at the sky and just take a moment to consider and appreciate how magical it is to be able to walk around on this planet. That is joy. It's not these, I got a promotion at work, because you get the promotion at work, then you're like, oh my God, now I've got to do all this work because I've got this promotion, because I've got extra responsibility. It's something that we can tap into at any point in time if we choose to. Mm. And that, for me, is what makes live become a verb. Mm. Well, yeah, I love that because um, that... I was watching your latest IGTV video and that was the line that really stuck out to me was about making life feel like a verb because definitely I'm I was like yes I think of it as like this noun to attach things to which I think is really good about like the mindful showers and stuff where it's just elevating a part a very perfunctory part of your day into something else so yeah I'd love to kind of dig into that live as a verb rather than as a noun concept a verb is an action word mm. it's a doing word we do life life is about the actions we take and even our inaction is an action so when you think about life as a verb we all have a natural tendency to autopilot in fact According to neuroscience, autopilot is self-care. We cannot take in all the things we see throughout our day, every day. It will literally wear us down really quickly. But if we are conscious of the fact that right here, right now, in this moment, whilst you're listening to this podcast, you are living, I think it is really difficult for you not to take action that helps you feel like you're alive. When we autopilot, life feels like Groundhog Day. That's when we say things like, oh, I'm really stuck. Oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not achieving enough. I'm 42. I thought I would have this, that and the other in my life by now, or whatever the case may be. If you are in each moment, whenever you remember, because we are going to forget sometimes, we do need to give ourselves space to human. But when you remember that you are living, you're much more likely to take action that is aligned with the way you want to live. And that is, that for me is where my expansion has come from. That's when I have been able to move from should to want or mm. believe or aligned. If I wasn't treating life like it is an action, like it is a doing word, I'd still be a depleted local authority social worker. I'd probably be a head of department with so much responsibility and feeling like I was 
a slave to my job because that's what I thought I should do. That is the path that I thought I had to follow when actually I went to Portugal on holiday this summer and we did a um, safari where it was, they didn't really say, I didn't really think about it. I just booked it. I thought it was going to be fun. And then he was like, okay, we're going off road now. When we went off road, that was when we had the most fun, the most learning. We were present in the moment, even though we did other trips. That was my favorite. Why? Because we went off road. We allowed ourselves to feel the bumps and be jiggled about and create our own way through the Portuguese. Well, it wasn't really wilderness, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, living like what we are, living, breathing organisms just helps you to make choices rather than decisions. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I really, I think that's such a good reminder. And you're right, sometimes that we do just think, oh God, I'm here, I'm alive. <laughs> You've just been kind of going along. But I that should to want I think is a very important transition and especially because we've been conditioned that you know wanting is selfish and actually particularly for as I'm an only child and was there was a lot of very heavy don't be a typical selfish only oh child so I'm kind I'm of triggered <laughs> I say that sort of thing to my daughter <laughs> well I think um it's just interesting that there is this kind of where that balance lies between how it's okay to want something but it's just the way you go about it um, and that yeah I think that's an important thing to kind of bring up because once you sort of zoom out of your life it's well is this what I actually want to be doing is this how I want to be spending my time or not exactly I'm going to quote my my auntie Brene Brown <laughs> Vulnerability feels hard, scary, and dangerous, but it's not as hard as getting to the end of life and wondering what if I had shown up. Mm. I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking, oh my goodness, what if I had what if I had decided to look up at the sky instead of looking at the ground and looking at my phone and hurrying around so much? Equally, I don't want my legacy to be when I'm dead. I want to enjoy my legacy whilst I'm alive. I want to create that right here, right now and enjoy it with the people I love and care about. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. Yeah, we do, and it's probably this kind of patriarchal thing, but we do sort of build up to like our death and legacy after death rather than like, yeah, experience it in the, in the here and now. In the here and now. And when you think about the concept of live is a verb, we're, we're going to die. That's one thing that's guaranteed. Let's not, this is going to sound really harsh, but let's not, let's not live life like we're dead. We don't just have to coast along doing the same thing over and over and over again. Doing things with conscious awareness, doing things in a manner that is mindful is so refreshing and it doesn't take away from any of your responsibility. If you're somebody that is listening to a podcast with, such as this, I think it is highly unlikely that you're going to be doing anything with your life that is a really frivolous, disposable act that is going to cause long-term harm to you or somebody else. That, that's not something that you're going to be thinking about. So you're doing really meaningful, powerful work or you want to be using your innate gifts to do something meaningful and powerful. So you are entitled to want what you want 
and really challenge yourself not to thwart what you want by immediately replacing what you want with fear. Let the fear come, but dispute it. Yeah. If you are, if we, if we think about self care, joy, self like, self love, whatever, and all those things as concepts that we can weave through our day, what? How is having? Even if you are a parent that has three children, how is having a mindful shower taking away from you being able to meet your duties and obliga- obligations as a parent? or as a CEO, or as a founder, or as a influencer with 150,000 followers. Doing something like that, doing something like looking at the way the leaves sway when the wind is blowing, is not going to negatively impact any of the things you do on a, you know, any of your responsibilities. Yeah. And I, I, what I want to actually bring up, actually, because it can kind of feel like it's as easy as that. But obviously, if there's somebody listening who is feeling very, very stuck, like you were previously, that that can feel so debilitating. And they might be sat there going, yes, well, it might only take that, but I just feel like I can't do it. So yeah. So what are your kind of words to that person and your approach around getting unstuck and starting to get the wheels turning again? It's to remember that you are a human being and there is no rule book that says we shouldn't be stuck. There is no rule book that says we should be joyful, sad, whatever, all the time, some of the time. It's all part and parcel of the human experience. And what I found is that when I was brave enough, mm -mm -mm, when I was pained enough, to sit inside my stuckness and be curious about what it was telling me, what I found was that the very thing that was keeping me stuck was the very thing that gave me permission to live in the way that I want to. So a very big thing that I carried with me that contributed to my stuckness was the feeling of being immature, not taking myself seriously, too playful. And on the other side, it was that my natural tendency to be really kind and giving was weakness. I had to be strong. I had to keep things for myself. And what I realized was that those were part of things that I inherited as conditioning. So my dad very actively discouraged my kindness because he believed that people would take that for weakness. And strength was about being very stoic So I became very stoic and I suppressed all of my other feelings. And when I, all of the sort of um, more kindful feelings, I suppressed those and replaced those with being strong and being productive and doing these things and being right and knowing all this stuff and seeking all this information. And then on the other hand, again, my dad, and he, he meant well, he was doing the best he could with what he had my playfulness, it was like, Tamu, your head is full of play, you should be serious, you should be studying, blah, blah, blah. So I thought that my playfulness and my jovialness and my childlike qualities were actually bad things. So I was working to suppress them. And then as life progressed, 
I was actively seeking stories that fed into those things being bad and being the opposite of those things, being mature and being somebody that has something to contribute in the world. So it's when I looked into those and remembered or started to explore those and started to feel joy, that's when I thought I need to follow this a little bit more. So it was the opportunity to do some shadow work and explore those things and um, alchemize that shit into fertilizer. <laughs> and then once I had done that, it was really difficult for me to act on it because the pendulum was between this is really beautiful, this is stupid. This is really beautiful, this is stupid. So I actively sought relationships with people that could support me. We are human beings. Although modernity has flipped us into this really individualized state of being, we are built to operate within small communities we thrive when we are helping people and people are helping us. And it's about being vulnerable enough to understand that we need help. You can't do it on your own. If you've been telling yourself for years and years and years that your worth is linked to your, product, your productivity, so you can only be productive, and you are starting to see signs that actually that is not helpful, in fact, it's harmful, it's going to be really difficult for you to do that on your own. So one of the most, no, the most game-changing thing in terms of taking action once I had found the information was seeking support. So I had some coaching and also putting myself in groups where I was surrounded by people that could support me where I am right now. And that is what enabled information to become transformation because we all know a whole lot but we're not doing anything with what we know because we don't believe it so if we have that reflected around us with the people we have around us that provides us with a sense of emotional containment and an emo and emotional safety that enables us to start to take action on the things that we know we really do need to do and then the things that we need to do. So for me, everyday joy at first became a saving grace. When I started to feel anxious, if I felt like I was about to slip into panic, everyday joy became a saving grace. And then because I practiced it so regularly, it became um, a very proactive part of my life. And it transformed from being a survival tool to something that's helping me flip into thriving. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that. I love that kind of distinction between going from survival to thriving. And I also really, actually, at the moment when when you're talking about connection and things like that, that's something that I've experienced recently, where I put out a blog post and an Instagram post, just where I'd been sort of isolating myself, where a couple of knocks had sort of knocked my confidence, and I was just not putting myself out there, and I just put it out there that I wasn't wanting to put myself out there and then when you that's when you realize the community you've got around you and as I was going through the comments and kind of responding oh it was you could feel like just the little bricks being plugged in in the holes in me of where seeing it as you say reflected around and feeling a part of something is I think we always underestimate how important that is mm -hmm. definitely so to kind of bring us around and end on a really nice, positive 
practical note i know that self-celebration is something really important to you so i'd love to just kind of kind of finish up a little bit with what is self-celebration what are some things that you do and what are maybe a couple of things that listeners can go away and go and celebrate themselves immediately after finishing this episode yes self-celebration for me is a radical act of self-care because particularly in the UK, we are taught that celebrating yourself is showing off and it is not showing off. When you celebrate yourself, it changes your brain chemistry. It is something that is very, very soothing and it motivates you to continue or do more. So I'm talking about things like... um, One of the things that I do, and I I first did it by accident, I had done something where I had really powered through my to-do list, and I just literally patted myself on the back and said, well done, Tam, you've done a great job. After that, I just automatically put on some 90s hip-hop, and I was dancing around, and I felt really, really high, and I couldn't work out what it was. And when I was journaling later on the evening before going to bed, I was like, why, why was I feeling so high? And then I worked out the sequence of events. I had actually stopped to take a moment to congratulate myself for stuff I had done and then celebrated it with a dance. It's really, really powerful. Mm. But equally, what I had to recognize was that it was really, really important for me. Actually, let me backtrack. My membership group helped me to realize that it is really, really important that I celebrate not doing as much as doing, Mm. because otherwise my self-celebration is hinged on the back of doership, which just feeds into productivity addiction. And I am a productivity junkie. That's it. I have to face facts. Mm -hmm. So it's also about, even though it's difficult for me, acknowledging and celebrating myself when I rest, not as a reward for doing all these things, but resting because as a human being, I'm entitled to rest. It really peps you up and helps you to define how you want to live your life. And it's, it's not something really big. Yeah, there's been a couple of times that I've taken myself out for dinner, but that sadly has been as a reward for doership. Um, so it's that really simple act of celebrating whatever it is you feel called to celebrate or looking for the things, the little things within your day that are a celebration. Mm -hmm. So if you are listening to this podcast and you decide that tonight, tomorrow, whenever it is, you're going to have a mindful shower, celebrate that. If you decide that you are going to stay off Instagram for the day because you want to prioritize other things, celebrate that. Equally, if you get a promotion or you sign up a new client, celebrate that. Don't start being bashful. Oh, I tried this. I was lucky. I was fortunate. No, you did the work and you got the desired result. Pat yourself on the back. Even more so, something that has been really, really game-changing in my self-celebration So 
I do some group co- coaching for a small organization. I do some coaching with their staff and they are very, very fixed on the result. So I challenge them to know what their result is, but really, really focus on the journey that leads to the result, so much so that the result is an add-on, not the main goal. Mm. Because when I have done that for myself, I have created so much more beauty and magic than when I've been so focused on the goal and actually physically pat yourself on the back, actually say the words, well done, whatever your name is, you've done really brilliantly with X, Y, Z, or I celebrate myself for going to bed at 10.30 every night. And the act of actually physically doing something or saying it verbally gives you the opportunity to communicate with your subconscious mind so it's not just a cognitive thing, so that your body, your emotions start to believe it and give you that boost. Love it. (laughs) So, Tammy, I have one last question to ask you, which is one I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, which is how do you grow with soul in your work and life? I grow with soul in my work and life. And, and again, it was uh, from, the, from the school of my auntie, Brene Brown. Uh, she was saying something about believing that people are doing the best they can. So I, I've really been able to grow with soul and do the things I really feel called to do by giving myself the benefit of believing that I'm doing the best I can where I am and giving myself the opportunity to make changes or course correct as and where necessary so that I can do the best I can. Yeah, that's really kind. I like that. Really kind yeah. to yourself. <laughs> yeah. My 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 I decided the other day after a lifetime of not consciously but subconsciously resisting it these words were being reflected all around me. And the final straw was when somebody said that um, their interactions with me, whether it's online or in person, just feel like a great big hug. Mm. I thought, right, that's it. I'm (laughs) embracing my superpower is loving kindness. And I am taking that with me everywhere I go. Awesome. So, for people who want more of a big hug from you <laughs> um, or um, are inspired by what you've said, where can they come and find out more and connect with you? The place where I am most active would be Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at live360, all letters, so L-I-V-E-T-H-R-E-E-S-I-X-T-Y. And my website is www.live360.com, again, all letters. And those are the best places to find me. Perfect. Thank you so much for being so generous with what you've shared today. I'm like sat here, eyes wide, like <laughs> go, go, go and process some stuff. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I think I need to have a lie down as well. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. And also, may I just say thank you very much for sharing a podcast that enables people to check in with themselves and offer some soul soothing. Well, that's my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. 
Any links we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Tamu on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at live360. As I actually haven't asked you this yet this season, if you could take a minute or so to rate and review the podcast there in the app, that will really help others to find and enjoy the show too. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you scroll down the feed of episodes, the rate and review section is down there at the bottom. And as always, if you think you have a friend who'd really benefit from listening to this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode and share it online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.